Welcome to the FNO InsureTech Podcast, a place where movers and shakers from all points within the insurance ecosystem gather and discuss all things InsureTech. We talk about how technology and innovation are affecting and driving change in the industry. Here are your hosts, Lee Boyd and Rob Beller. Hey, everybody in the podcast world. Welcome to another thrilling, exciting, and somewhat surprising episode of FNO InsureTech. I am Rob Beller, one of your hosts, and I'm here for the intro only with the one and only Lee Boyd. Hi, Lee. Hi, Rob. How are you today? Good. Thank you for joining us for one piece of this podcast. You're welcome. I'm glad I could be here for this. But you're not here for the rest of it. I'm not, and I'm very disappointed by that. I'm very sad that I can't be there, um, but I am happy to at least be here and to get to talk to our podcast audience on this beautiful Friday. Usually when we do a podcast, we're both on it. Yeah. I mean, very rarely. Very I mean, rarely. I listened to one today. It was just you, so it happens more often than not. Was it great? Was it good? What'd you uh, think? Yeah, let's the have guest, a little, the, the have guest a little did review. Great. The guest uh-huh. did a wonderful job. It was, it was great content from the guest. You know, one of the one of the things is is we don't get a lot of feedback. Like we don't get a lot of people who like reach out and say, "Let me give you my critique of you guys." No, we, nobody. Well, no. that's not true. We got that one time at a conference. <laughs> we got it one time. Let me tell you all the things yeah. you did wrong. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. Yeah, and the problem with that is there are so many things that we do wrong. <laughs> I mean, that... it would take a lot of a lot <laughs> yeah. of emails and talking. Yeah, lots of patience. You'd have to have you'd have to have a semester. Yeah. On but, on what not to do in a podcast by by Lee Boyd and Rob Beller. But with that being said, we are very open to feedback. We want to know what everyone likes and what you don't like. Uh, we would love to hear more from the audience. I mean, we have a great website, fnoinsuretech.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have emails, we mm-hmm. have LinkedIn, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we have Twitter, mm-hmm. all these things. We would love to give you a shout out. You know, if, mm-hmm. if you wrote us something and said, hey, I wish you'd do this or have this guest on or anything, we, we'll, we'll take it. We're open to feedback. Yeah. We want to be able to verify how we're doing. Yeah. And if we don't like it, we'll, we'll delete it, but we'll still open it. Do you know why I use the word verify? No, why do you use that, Rob? Uh, because did you know that millions of times a year, insurance coverage has to be verified? No, I did not know that. Did you know that sometimes in certain circumstances that w- will be explained on the podcast that we're about to do? Not me. That I'm about to do without yeah. you. yeah is a a repairman, an elevator repairman goes into a building to work on repairing the elevator. The management company of the building requires that that insurance repairman is insured in such a specific manner. And they need to see a verification of his insurance before he goes to work on actually repairing the elevator. Did you know that something like that happens? I had absolutely no idea that that, and it happens, that was a need. It happens a lot, in, like I said, millions of times a year. So there's a whole big, enormous problem to do with verifying coverage and also making sure that the coverage is appropriate for the particular circumstance where it is even required. 
Well, it really makes me think that I wish there was a company out there that that we could trust. Ah, Lee, I knew I could count on you to help me turn the corner here. I'm here well, for you. Well, it just so happens that we have on an insure tech today that actually is about providing the verifications and information about insurance coverage that one, say, business has relative to another. And we have today we have with us the CEO and co-founder of TrustLayer, John Four, with us to explain what TrustLayer is and what TrustLayer does. Which, which is wonderful because, as you said, this seems to be a need or, you know, it seems to be a problem that I, I wasn't aware of. So I assume that many of our audience members are not aware of. So I'm very excited to hear exactly what they're doing. Uh, and, and I, yeah, I'm very right. excited about hearing this one. But apparently the agents and the brokers out there are, who listen to our podcast are very familiar with this problem. And I have good news for all you folks. There's a solution to the problem and it's trust layer. And um, so therefore I want you to listen to this and go to their website and check this out because this is a really interesting uh, corner of the InsureTech world and just kind of also speaks to the opportunities that are available through the various creativities of these founders and people who are coming into the InsureTech world. So listen up and listen tight and enjoy our my interview because Lee, you're not here, are you? I'm not. Goodbye, uh-huh. everybody. <laughs> our interview with the CEO and co-founder of TrustLayer, John Four. Hey, everybody. We're here with our guests today, and I am solo without Lee. So for those of you that are fans of Lee, oh, well, you'll get over it. (laughs) Because our guest today is John Four, the co-founder and CEO of TrustLayer. And we're going to learn all about TrustLayer. But let's start by saying, how are you doing? Hey, man. Doing pretty good. How are you doing? Hey, Good, good. Where do we find you today? I'm in Tampa, Florida. Tampa, Florida. Yeah, I'm still getting used to it myself. We just uh, we just moved out here from San Francisco. Wow, because yeah, everything I read about you was that you guys are located in you know Silicon Valley area. We still have a, a portion of the team that's in San Francisco. We decided to with the uh, with everything that's been going on, we decided to kind of take stock and and think about where might be the a great place for us to really build a team and, and build a team with great culture and, uh, and figured out that we might be able to have a, a little bit more luck here. So what was it that helped you land on Tampa? A few things, but so we need to hire a, a number of folks with insurance experience and I don't know why there just happens to be a number of large insurance companies have set up their customer success teams mm-hmm. out here. Mm-hmm. And so it's great hiring uh, mm-hmm. opportunity for us. I'm still learning about the community from an engineering perspective, but a lot of our engineers are, and we'll be definitely hiring a number more engineers, uh, but a lot of our engineering team happens to also be in Italy because my co-founder is uh, Italian as well. And so we've been able to hire really, really tier one engineers from Italy as well. Yeah, so we're, we're out here and excited to be part of this ecosystem. I, I mean, the whole Lake Florida story is it's growing. It's it's the business community's been great here, yeah. and the city could not have been more welcoming. That's outstanding. Well, congratulations. I love Tampa, and 
get to spend time there and I'll look forward to meeting you sometime when yeah, I'm looking forward to it. When I get out there and you take me to a really wonderful, beautiful big meal. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what they do here. <laughs> I like grouper, by the way. So just uh, you might want there to you go. There you go. Let's get to why we're actually here today and why you're kind enough to give us some time to talk to us and to our audience. And that is to talk about Trust Layer, which, as we were talking offline before we started today, is a very, very unique and different kind of insure tech. And so let's start by by telling us what is TrustLayer and, and what do you guys do? The short answer is we're a collaborative risk management platform. What that means is when two companies work together, there's often a bunch of friction, uh, especially at the beginning of the relationship. It could be like identity information. Am I really John? Uh, it could be some sort of credential. Like, is that guy authorized to be an electrician in this county? And then it turns out it's, it's often insurance related. And, and this happens hundreds of millions of times a year. Like every auto loan in America, every mortgage in America, every plumber walking out of a job site, uh, every piece of equipment in the equipment leasing industry, every Uber driver, every Airbnb, like time and time again, companies have to like track and verify or simply prove that their counterparty has certain insurance coverage. And it's almost all done through paper today. It's almost all manual. And so we figured that we can build a platform, a platform that just simply solves that. We automate the current paper-based workflow today. We're working with really big carriers and brokers right now to create digital proof of coverage. Give me an example of what you're talking about, like a real-world example. We have a number of, uh, add your vendors, add your tenants, add your borrowers. We work with like a large franchisor that might have 2,000 franchisees. And they want to just validate that all of their uh, franchisees have certain coverage. And so now with TrustLayer, you add these parties into the platform, you create a few compliance profiles, you press go. Our system reaches out to each one of those parties you work with. They come to a custom landing page for them. And they simply just drag and drop documents into the platform. And we use some fancy AI tools to identify what those documents are, extract information from them, and then compare them against whatever those requirements are. We launched about a year and a half ago, or excuse me, a little more than a year ago. Uh, beginning of uh, 2020. And we were working with a, a number of large home builders. Immediately, and this is a big pain point in the construction industry or like property management, but very quickly learned that our focus was insurance, but like companies weren't, didn't want a platform that only handled insurance. So very quickly they said, you know, this is great, but if you're going to reach out to all my subs, can you get them to track it? Can you get them to upload a W9? Articles of incorporation. Any like COVID forms, any OSHA documents, training documents. Uh, I need e-signature. I need like them to fill in just some random, <laughs> random form. And so now, any of these additional documents and workflows, our platform is able to handle now. So it's it's more than just insurance, like you're saying. It's it's really kind of a way to communicate with these people. Yeah, it's really just a bunch of admin that helps companies build trust between each other. Mm -hmm. And instead mm -hmm. of people having to push paper with Trust layer, the robots can automate much of this workflow so that our users are able to focus on more important, more challenging topics. So like frequently, our customers at our business are insurance carriers, and they want a copy of our insurance, and we send them an accord form. Is that what you get involved in? Yeah, that's, that's like a core component, really, just like how do you prove? The challenge, though, of course, is it's just a piece of paper. You have no idea, like the person who gets it has no idea if it's 
and like you just made it up out of whole cloth Correct. or not that you would ever do that, but like no. some <laughs> other people. So really you've no idea if like the information is like authentic. You don't know if it's still current just because someone had insurance a couple right. weeks ago. doesn't mean they still have it today. Right. Uh, and so that's where version two of our platform comes in where, you know, when you, once you have hundreds of millions of pieces of paper floating around, it begs the question, why the heck do you have hundreds of millions of pieces of paper floating around? What if there was some way that you could validate this information in real time? Correct. That's where for us, like the big play comes in, the digital proof of insurance, where a company would be able to, in a more real-time basis, be able to demonstrate that he or she has coverage. Uh, and more importantly, the companies that they're working for could look at their, let's say the 2000 franchisees and validate that they actually have the right coverage rather than having to have everyone request all these paper documents and then upload these paper documents and use fancy tools to extract them. Is there just some way that these, this platform can communicate uh, and validate in real time that they've got, uh, that a party has coverage. Give us some examples of your customers. You, you mentioned the franchise or what are some other examples of the kind of customers who would take advantage of tr TrustLayer? Yeah, so when we first when we first launched, we were working with construction companies. Why? It was a huge pain point in the construction industry. Like, just imagine you're you're a home builder. You've got three sub three subdivisions. You've got fifty subcontractors. Each subdivision has its own custom requirements. You have to track all this information. It becomes a, a pain point. It's almost a full time job for one person on the team to handle just like pushing this paper around. And not only that, but you may be audited by your own carrier to demonstrate that your that your subcontractors actually have certain coverages themselves. Mm -hmm. A little bit of a carrot and a stick, right? Where it's where where you're required to do this. Uh, and so we were going directly to home builders and I was the only salesperson at the time and we were trying to find the right person to talk to. And it was it was a little bit it was a little bit of a challenge. Sure. And then we ended up getting a uh, just to figure out like what's the most efficient way to scale. And then we were contacted by a number of insurance brokers. And we said, like, that's interesting. Is there some way that we could leverage insurance brokers in this? Uh, and this is right before COVID. This is January last year. And what was interesting was we ended up getting uh, interest from these insurance brokers. And these guys were confident that we were dealing with a very large pain point that they had dealt with throughout their career. And so we were so fortunate that we heard about this group called Broker Tech Ventures so we could test out this hypothesis, if we could actually partner with insurance brokers uh, to scale. And so we joined BTV in February. I mean, how lucky was that to find uh -huh. an accelerator, Great time. Great time. right? Like one month after we, we launched. It was right mm -hmm. before COVID. So we actually went to Iowa and met a number of these brokers. And we got great feedback from them right off the bat. Um, and the majority of them signed up as customers. And now we partner with insurance brokers to help with our distribution as well. And so with TrustLayer, these insurance brokers are able to be part-time risk managers for their customers using a tool called TrustLayer. It's almost like an accountant can be a bookkeeper using QuickBooks for his mm -hmm. customers, her customers. Now these insurance brokers are using TrustLayer to provide almost like insurance bookkeeping for their customers. Uh, and we've taken what was a pain point or cost for a number of brokers and actually created a profit center for them because the brokers can now charge for the service. 
so step us through how a broker would use, wh- why would a broker want to use this? Where did the pain come from? Well, the pain came from the fact that insurance is complex. At the same time, insurance brokers were, are looking often for additional ways that they can really differentiate and provide value for their customer. Sure. And with TrustLayer, like one, one of the big pain points that a customer, like any, any employer has, is having to track coverage of their vendors, of their borrowers. So now with TrustLayer, insurance brokers are able to provide this service and in most cases charge a profit, a meaningful profit from their customers uh, for providing this additional service. Because they might not be writing all of the insurance that that customer has? Well, just because if I'm a home builder, I need to track all of my subs, have the right coverage. And that information is very complex. And instead of having someone in my office do it, I'd be more than happy to pay 500 bucks a month to have my insurance broker do it. Ah, so they become your compliance officer. Yeah, like a part-time risk manager. Mm -hmm. But of course, that takes time and energy. And that's where the TrustLayer platform comes in because our robots can automate. I mean, this could have been a service that people have been offering for a long time. But Mm -hmm. absent the robotic process automation, it could be it could take a lot of time from the broker's perspective. Now with TrustLayer, we're able to really automate most of those time demanding tasks so that the insurance broker herself is able to focus on really the more complex tasks rather than doing admin. So when you discovered this about the insurance broker's interest, did that start to change the way that you went about pursuing growing your business? Yeah, in order of magnitude. Uh, so tell us about that. Instead of us approaching each individual company, we started getting uh, or signing partnerships with large brokers, and large brokers could have hundreds of customers that need this service. And, and so it's just a it's a very efficient it's just a win win way. We don't think of cust- brokers as customers. We really think of them as as our as our partners in this, and our business is to drive as much revenue as we can back to our broker. We're not a broker ourselves. We're not a carrier ourselves. We want to drive as much revenue to our broker partners. We want to drive as much as many like leads back to our broker partners as we can and really help them generate or create a new uh, profit center in their agency. Mm-hmm. 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 And so why would you, you mentioned some major carriers why would major some of these major carriers do business with TrustLayer? Well, we're in pilot right now with a number of large carriers. And after all, carriers have the original source of data, if a policy is active or not. And so some of the infrastructure we've built for our, our version two is a platform that would allow a carrier to validate if coverage is still active today. Many carriers are looking for a way that they can provide better value, really differentiate in the marketplace. And then most large carriers are looking for other ways that they can really help their broker partners sell more insurance. Mm. And and so that's why it's a it's a win-win. Not to mention that they can have additional data themselves from the trust platform by helping to improve underwriting, help with their own audits that they uh, they have with their customers. So they might see through TrustLayer coverages that insureds are lacking? Right. 
then therefore then let their brokers know here's a list of potential customers for a particular line of business. Yeah, just imagine that plumber that walks onto the job site. They have a million dollars in coverage, but in order to get access to that building, they need $2 million in coverage. Mm-hmm. Right then and there, like we can help facilitate that quote. And again, we're not a carrier, we're not a broker. So our job is to drive as much business back to that broker and that carrier as we can. So have you abandoned the old uh, business plan or rewritten it? Because we've had such an interest from insurance brokers, we have focus, we focus a lot more on our broker partners than we have. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that is because of the success that we had from Broker Tech Ventures mm-hmm. and going through their accelerator, which was just uh, top notch. So was that luck that that happened? Yeah, I mean, I'd like to say this was some uh, this some grand plan that we had from uh, <laughs> on day one. But honestly, we didn't quite realize how great a partner these brokers could be. And maybe some things were also amplified by all the, the challenges that we all went through last year, where the status quo was no longer uh, sufficient in a lot of cases. And people said, you know, this is, this is nuts. Why are we screwing around with all this paper? There's got to be some way that we can, we can automate lower this. And then, of course, there certainly was a lot of luck that we just met, happened to meet the broker tech venture community right after we launched. I love stories like this, right? That you had a product fit, but maybe there was a better spot for your product fit. Well, I, I often would say like there was, in retrospect, we had product market fit, but we did not have go-to-market fit. Mm-hmm. This really helped with the latter. What advice can you give to the insure techs that are listening out there from this particular lesson? I mean, it's, it sounds to me like it's super a super valuable lesson that you guys learned. Just share some wisdom that you've gained in, in, this, in <laughs> well, this particular regard. Anytime you're dealing with an industry that is hundreds of years old, it's important to realize you know, where your strengths are and then be in learning mode as much as you can throughout the process. I know there's a lot of insure techs that think they're going like, to blow up this industry or, or just completely like, do certain things where they just fundamentally change the core components of it. And that might happen. Good luck. <laughs> what, well, our, our objective was we really wanted to work with the industry as much as possible and help them, like, be successful with them. Uh, so we don't we don't see we, we didn't see that we were going to fundamentally change the way insurance was done. Brokers are still going to have a close relationship with their customers. Uh, carriers are still going to provide coverage. Uh, there may be different entrants that come in, but like, how can you facilitate the current ecosystem and improve some of those workflows rather than just fundamentally change everything? Right, rather than blowing them up. Yeah. And that was something we definitely learned. And there, there have been a few, I would say, former companies that have been, that have been uh, in this space or have tried to do what we've done. I would say most of them were realized just how much data they had and that they were going to become a broker themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I certainly thought of that you know, early on. But, but the challenge is if you're a broker, no one want, like the other brokers don't want to work with you. <laughs> right? You're right. a competitor. You're the so enemy. Correct. Why would I give you all my customer information in, in that case? And so, so that was very important for us. You know, thankfully we didn't make that mistake, uh, where we realized we just want to build the infrastructure for this industry, rather than rather than try to be a competitor with with all of the great brokers that we've that we've uh, brought on. Where did uh, the name come from? Why Trustlayer? So yeah, <laughs> so the name came from. That's a fun question. No one's actually asked us that before. I think this comes to the genesis story of Trustlayer. 
where I was working overseas and I would see opportunities totally unrelated to insurance, by the way. Um, and I was, I would see opportunities to, for investments, but because of it was in an emerging market or because it was maybe the deal was too small, we weren't able to, we weren't able to do the investment. And that, that was very unfortunate. So at the time I didn't quite realize what I was, what I was thinking about, but it was how could companies help establish trust between each other in a, in a more efficient, faster way. After all, if you could like identify uh, and really build trust between a company, even if they're, you know, halfway around the world and you could validate a whole bunch of information about them quickly, that, that changes the investment opportunity for that or profile, a risk profile for that particular sure. company. And when we went back to the States, my wife and I, we were in San Francisco and time and time again, we ran into the same issue where we were doing just personal investments and we would run into the, the subcontractor for a construction project, didn't have the right insurance or worse, had the right insurance, but couldn't get the paper, this paper document fast enough uh, to be able to start work. And so you'd have like delays on job sites and then like one delay, the plumber can't do work today, then the carpenter can't do work tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And you end up with these like cascading delays just because of the challenges surrounding compliance and insurance. And I was like, this is, this is crazy. And so I was really fortunate that one of my really good friends was head of innovation at a large carrier. And he pointed out that much of the insurance industry is just finding ground truth is actually very difficult because it's just all run on paper. And so if there could be a company that could help automate that and they would be able to help develop ground truth for this massive industry. And since this is a pain point that I personally felt, I was like, oh, absolutely. Let me see if I can take a shot at this. Very interesting because I was going to ask you, you know, how in the world do you come to this idea? Um, <laughs> well, it's so obvious. I mean, with, all due, with all due respect. When I was a little boy, I, when I was a little boy, I knew I wanted to do insurance verification and compliance, right? Who, who wouldn't want to do that? Right. Uh, no, we hear that a lot. Of course, yeah. Yeah. So, uh-huh. My little seven-year-old saying the same thing. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> it just comes out like, how can parties help build and establish trust? That that's that's really what it comes down to. It turns out insurance. Some people might think it's boring. Others might like think it's like don't want to focus on it, but it's required mm-hmm. in yeah. just hundreds of millions of relationships. Yep. And so it's a great way for, for companies to really start establishing trust. And then from there, there's all sorts of additional workflows or ways that we might be able to engage with that company. But in almost every relationship, insurance is a component to it. And so that's really where we, where we want to play. And again, we're InsureTech, but we're not an InsureTech in the sense of we only offer software for brokers. We only offer so- software for carriers. Mm-hmm. Or you're an underwriting tool. Right. Or we're actually an insurance mm-hmm. company. It's really like we just want to provide the infrastructure that other non-insurance companies can use to help validate insurance information. I, I got to ask you, you have a very interesting background. I want to take a minute to talk about your background. You are a an attorney, correct? Yes, so, <laughs> so what, like what, what happened on the way to the courthouse? <laughs> yeah, they would say recovering, right? Uh-huh. Uh, I, honestly, I, after law school, I knew 
I knew that my buddies that could sit and just stare at a book for 12 hours would eat my lunch at these mm-hmm. big law firms. Right. And that just wasn't, I, I, I was very entrepreneurial. You know, I wanted to do my own thing mm-hmm. and uh, got in, in the private equity was like started my career earlier stage in the private equity world. And then also knew I wanted to get a chance to work overseas when I was younger and uh, had a chance to do that. So like the deals bouncing around Africa, working on clean energy projects in the Middle East, like really interesting, interesting deals. But after five years, my wife and I looked at each other and we're like, damn, like, what are we, <laughs> are we going like full, like we, we wanted to have some international experience. We didn't want to go like full blown expat. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so that's why I decided to come back. And so you were with Hawthorne Capital for many years. What did you do there? It was uh, financial advisory. Uh-huh. And so, again, primarily adver- um, advising companies on private equity deals. Mm-hmm. Offshore. Um, you, it was mostly U.S. customers or U.S. partners. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then we were based in we were based in Dubai. So, but one of the things that you skipped over was you worked in the White House. It was so early in my career. Uh, it was actually before law school. A great place for any for anyone that wants to, I mean, it's, it was great opportunity. Uh, but the, uh, as you can imagine, some people are not always enticed to continue in the, uh, the world of politics (laughs) or, uh, the world of DC, a great city, great friends of mine, but, uh, it's, it's tough when you see just how, how important money is for, for people to get, um, for people to be motivated. I mean, it's just, it's really frustrating. And I just didn't want to be a part of that. Sure. You mean money motivates people? I, I hadn't, I hadn't heard that one before. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, it, it was nuts, right? I mean, anyone that spends time there is, can be challenged by friends that were saying one thing one day. And then just because they got a job, then it was like the only place they could get a job arguing for something that is completely outside of what, you know, their views were. That was tough. Yeah, I think that something happens when people go to Washington, D.C. That's you probably have to have been through it once to understand it. Yeah, it's a tough. uh, Hopefully one day they can get get some of that money out of there. So you come back, you're doing some stuff in California here that you've abandoned, I might add. Um, Speaking as somebody who's stuck here in California. Um, (laughs) I didn't abandon. I'm not uh, the the great. It's okay, okay, John. You can be honest about it. The end of San Francisco is not near. I think it's uh, there's a lot there. I don't, I don't think I, I don't quite subscribe to the uh, to this uh, uh, apocalypse of, of San Francisco. Well, there's more to California, and spoken like somebody who lived in San Francisco. I live in Sacramento, which is about seventy or eighty miles away. And, oh, and your valuations have like gone through the roof in the last year. Sacramento's literally one of the top five hottest real estate markets in the country. Yeah, it's got to be. Because of San Francisco, right? Because yeah. of COVID in San Francisco. Yeah. We'll see we'll see what happens when, when COVID's over. Speaking of COVID, has it had any effect on Trustlayer? We've added the vast majority of our staff on in the last year. Uh, and in a pandemic, it is really, really tough to sure. meet people sure. and hire people in the same way. So three quarters of our team I haven't met yet in person, which uh-huh. is mind-boggling, right? Like, I mean, how... Yeah, uh, And it's interesting when I talk to other founders, it's not so much 
tell me about this marketing initiative you did or some like really operational thing. It's talk to me about the culture and how are you going about developing culture in your team? Because if you don't have in-person meetings, it's just, it's, it's very different than a lot of us, the experience that a lot of us went through like with our other jobs. So that's been a big challenge and, and like a big, and as you can tell, it's a big focus for, for me. That's one area where, where COVID has been challenging. Has it been challenging in working with your target market with, with the broker market? I would say actually not. In that case, in, in, in that way, it's, it might have even, I don't want to say anything good came from uh, the challenging right. year we've all had. Uh, but it certainly made getting, having meetings a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. Uh, just with less people traveling, they've just been available. And it's been, I would say, maybe easier to get in front of folks in ways that, that might not have, it might not have been possible before COVID. What's next for Trustlayer? Where are you guys, where are you guys saying you talk about V2 or what did you call it? Your- <laughs> yeah, I call it V2. So right now we've got a platform and we just closed a, a funding round. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Of, of note with that round, we were, we found a great venture fund, a very, you know, traditional venture fund out of San Francisco uh, abstract led the round. What we were really proud of is getting 20 of the top 100 insurance brokers in the country to co-invest in the round. Wow. We wanted to make sure that we, we really did not, we weren't seen as some startup out of San Francisco. We wanted to have as much buy-in from the insurance industry as we possibly could. And, and brokers are a key partner for us. And so, and at the same time, we also brought in, frankly, competitors with each other. We wanted to make sure that, you know, we just didn't bring in one right, broker. The, the ones you like. Yeah. We wanted to make sure that we were seeing, that uh, like folks understood that we were bringing in a number of brokers uh, collaboratively to solve this problem. Because this is a problem that, that every broker in the country deals with, every carrier in the country, every insured has to deal with. And so... It was it was vital for us to have as much buy-in, which is why we prioritized bringing in as many as many brokers as we could. So, whose idea was that to bring in the brokers? My co-founders and I both mm-hmm. had that idea because again, we had, we realized that they were such a important player in this ecosystem, and and wanted to demonstrate that more than just offering them good service. We wanted them to have an upside in our success. And you got a lot of interest in it, yes. They actually, yeah, we were very, yeah, we were, uh, there was a lot of interest in, uh-huh. in the round. Uh, maybe, yeah, there was a lot of interest. We were very fortunate. Uh, again, part of the broker tech venture community, as well as like NFP and, and, and so many of our great broker partners came in and it was, it was just a great experience. So go on, tell us about what you can about V2. V2, uh, digital proof of coverage. Right now we have a platform that helps automate really intensive paper-based workflows. And that's fine, but being able to validate in real time, imagine signing up to be an Uber driver and in the Uber app, being able to sign into your Geico account or your American or your nationwide or like some carrier that you, that you have to demonstrate in real time that you have certain coverage. Imagine that plumber being able to actually see a QR code at a job site and validate that he or she has coverage right then and there. That's ultimately what we're building. Mm. And we're working with a number of these really large carriers uh, right now in pilot, uh, as well as with the institutes um, and some of their efforts uh, to to build digital proof of coverage. To be clear, that is a very ambitious project. That is a very, very, very ambitious project. There's nothing yeah, short it of- It sounds big. 
Yeah, I mean, it's nothing short of ground truth for a trillion dollar industry. That is gonna be very challenging and there's no way that we're gonna do it by ourselves. It has to be done like hand in glove with our carrier and our broker partners. Would the carrier be your customer in that or they would be your partner in that? Uh, they would be our partner in that. Part of the secret sauce we've built for this is that the carriers can actually keep their data private, siloed behind their firewall while still being able to authenticate and validate that coverage is in place. We actually see us, we're, for many of them, we're actually talking about this can be a revenue stream for the carriers. Which So we definitely see this as like them as a partner in this process. Because they can sell more policies. Well, they can sell more policies, even like they could, they could even charge for authenticating that coverage is in place. Mm-hmm. So on the one hand, this, this replaces me calling my broker and saying, hey, I need uh, an accord form and I need you to add X ABC insurance company as additional insured. Yep, exactly. Or the 12 emails that went back and forth. So Wells Fargo is my mortgage company. And and they uh, there were 12 emails that went back and forth between Wells Fargo and my little broker here in Tampa. That's nuts. When did John's insurance start? What is his full name on the application? Why is it why why is his middle name not fully spelled out? Right, like all this like small technical things could have just been automated uh, if you had real time proof of coverage. Very interesting. Yeah. So it's a very it's a very specific peculiar space in the whole insurance industry. But like you said, it's it's a it's a space where there's friction and problems, and and it can hold things up. Yeah, I mean, think just think of every single time you've walked into a doctor, our focus is not health insurance, but like just this is another way where people can really understand it. Like every time you walk into the doctor, you back when you could, you know could see your doctor like easily, <laughs> and you hand your insurance card, and the person behind the front desk takes five minutes, frankly, just to validate whether you have coverage or not. Correct. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. That same thing happens you just millions of times a year, but in, in many, many, many industries, anyone that's moved in and out of a high rise building knows that they need to get their moving company to give them certain documents. So they get access to the elevator that will allow them to, uh, where they can move their stuff in and out. Uh, and if you don't have those like three documents, proof of coverage, then you don't get access to the moving elevator, which means you're SOL. So just so many of these, I was with a buddy of mine, actually the same guy uh, who was over at a large carrier and he, at the like head of innovation, uh, he bought a car and because he wasn't able to, he had paid for auto insurance, but they hadn't given him the documents yet. So wasn't able to drive the car off the lot that day because he didn't have proof of coverage. Sure, so, I mean, just like, it's just, it's unbelievable how many times this comes up. Every time you can just imagine an auto, uh, a rental car company wanting to, wanting to demonstrate, ask a customer if they actually have auto coverage. And if they don't, that's fine. Spend five bucks and you can get the car insured. So there's a lot of use cases for this. Well, I'm even thinking about <laughs> pulled over. Yeah. License. Yeah, absolutely. License registration and proof of insurance. Yeah. And when there's probably a solution that the that the uh, police department could know if you have 
insurance or not. So let's talk about the institutes for a second because I because I don't want to leave them out and because they're like kind of a critical piece to this whole puzzle. Yeah, T- absolutely. Tell me wh- how, how they're involved in this. Because as I said before, when I think of the institutes, I think about certifications and education. Yep. A couple of years ago, the institutes launched an app to help create data standards and some of the infrastructure surrounding sharing of policy data. Last year, we... Uh, and this was called Riststream. I mean, last year, we attended the, the Institute's convention. I think it was right after COVID hit. So it was virtual, like everything was. And, uh, and we pitched our uh, startup at the time, and their members voted for us as their favorite insure tech. And, and so over the last seven, eight months, we've been working with, uh, with the Institute's Riststream, great partners, and as well as about a, I don't know, maybe a dozen carriers and brokers were part of this working group. And uh, uh, again, the goal is to like get as much feedback as we possibly can and doing this handy glove with carrier and broker partners. And the institutes help facilitate that, which has been great. Well, so we're thrilled to have you on today and, and to share TrustLayer with uh, our audience. We appreciate you coming. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate it. And we wish you the best in Tampa. And if you live on the beach, then my wife and I will be there within Done. Done. Absolutely. Great. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Big thanks to John Four for being with us and for sharing all the information about TrustLayer. What an interesting company. What an interesting uh, idea. And just goes to show you how far and wide the insure tech space is and how much opportunity there is that uh that john and his co-founders found a very unique corner um and have made it into an important uh um, enterprise and we thank john again for being with us and we thank you for being with us and we look forward to next time when lee boyd is back with us so all you lee boyd fans just stay calm he's coming back don't you worry Thank you for being with us. And until next time, we say goodbye, everybody. <laughs>